We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned, as usual, to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, Quinn Osha, founder of Topmark, an online tool for used car sellers to find the best price for their cars. Topmark is a result of Quinn's skills, interest, and passion. He grew up around cars and car auctions, acquired skills in tech, and was interested in entrepreneurship. Topmark began as an online market to bring together private sellers with private buyers. In the course of setting this up, Quinn realized that a, a way to easily and quickly survey dealers about specific cars they might be interested in buying was something that was really needed and didn't yet exist. Topmark is different from platforms like Carvana, Quinn explains, because it connects sellers with local dealers as well as national ones. It also allows sellers to keep their information private so they don't have to withstand repeated outreach from local dealers. Essentially, Topmark is a service that dealers subscribe to but that sellers benefit from. He quotes, When my mother can sell her car comfortably without calling me, Quinn says, I know I have succeeded. That's a pretty good benchmark. Now, let's get better together. Quinn Osha, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. We were talking a little bit before we recorded about how Ellis Island butchers names. They Does clearly indeed. probably butchered yours. They butchered my last name a little bit too. But, you know, hey, we showed up. We're here, right? We made we it. We made right? it. At least our ancestors, maybe a couple hundred years ago or whatever. Um, you're the founder of Topmark, which is a pretty cool SaaS company trying to figure out how to get people the best deals on their used cars. And I find this fascinating because now when we're recording this, like used car sales and prices are like through the absolute roof. I'm actually 
I'm actually in the market to buy a car at some point. And so I'm like, I don't even know when I should do this because it's like, it keeps going up. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know? So uh, we're definitely going to talk about that. But uh, as I always like to say, before we get into all that, my first question is always the same. Tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Sure. A uh, bit, bit of a loaded question. Seems easy, but you know, there, there's a lot to unpack there. I think you know, going back to to the early days, it's there was always just I was incredibly interested and excited about cars um, and about entrepreneurship from like a very early age. Um, you know, I, I grew up around car auctions. Was always a huge car fan and and just sort of like grew up around them. And so as I started looking at like future opportunities, you know, I was also tech focused. So, so coming up with a way to sort of combine the two is, is, you know, in my, my mind, somewhat of a dream job. And, and ultimately I, I found my way there though through a relatively circuitous route. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I, it's just, um, uh, slowly but surely got, got to a place where I could match my sort of passion and, and my skills, I think. Hmm. What kind of, what's your favorite car? Uh, newer classic. Ah, pick. pick. <laughs> um, I'm a bit of a speed guy, so, um, I, I'm still a big fan of the 911s. 911. Okay, cool. Yeah. You watch Top Gear? Uh, not as much as people expect me to for how much I like cars. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking British Top Gear. I'm not talking about American Top Gear. American Top Gear is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I've never about, seen an episode of that. <laughs> yeah. The Jeremy Clarkson, Captain Slow, you know, Munchkin guy, classic. I don't even like cars. I even don't even like to drive. But for whatever reason, that show, I love <laughs> what it is what is it about gearheads right like i just i'm fascinated by cars right but i'm just not a fan i think it's because i used to have to commute a lot and i had shitty cars when i commuted like i mean bad hand-me-down this is horrible the ac doesn't work it's an am fm radio like it was not comfortable right because that's all i could afford and i think that kind of went into my adulthood. (laughs) I mean, you know, I drive a 2004 Toyota Camry. Like it's, it's dented. (laughs) It'll last you forever though. I know. I know. That's what I mean. I mean, that's why I'm like in the kind of in the market for, I want to get a truck. Right. Cause uh, it's not very San Franciscan of you. Nah, not at all. (laughs) Right. But you know, like I have some land that I bought and I kind of want to have a truck to drive the land and, you know, feel manly, like with chainsaws and stuff. But you know, this is very like, Tim Allen, you know, <laughs> tool time, you know, kind of thing, which most people probably don't get. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, this this whole obs- would you call it an obsession with cars, or is it just you like could a call passion? It that. Call it obsession, okay. Yeah. And um, so, Top Mark, like how how did you how did you come up with Top Mark, and like what's the name mean? Uh, name doesn't necessarily mean anything specific, but, uh, Mark with a Q and then a U and an E is actually a a British term for like a brand, uh, a type of car. Uh, and so, 
just sort of like top brands, picking brands, you know, so, some amount of There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that definitely played a part. And, uh, you know, availability of websites uh, ah, has become a more go. important thing. Yep, yep, yep. These days as well, yeah. Cool, cool. And um, and so the the tell us a little bit about how it works because I went on the website a little bit and it looks like it's, I mean, explain how it, explain it like the basics of it, because it's, it's like a marketplace, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, it's, so I, I think the easiest way to um, think about it is just, uh, I sort of explained it in, in terms of somebody trying to sell their car, right? Like if, if you're sitting there and you have a car today, the average person, and like, w- what's your first step if you want to sell that car? Uh, a lot of people like either don't know or would probably just go to the not necessarily the best place for them. Um, where like if I ask somebody, hey, go book a hotel room in, in New York, typically what they would do is they'll go to Priceline, Expedia, Kayak or whatever to see, okay, like what hotels are in New York and how much are they? For cars, there's really no way to do that. Um, and that's what we're trying to solve. We're trying to sort of add this level of transparency and confidence in the industry where you have this very expensive asset, typically the second largest asset somebody would own, um, and you want to sell it, but it's very difficult to find out how much people will pay for it. So what we do is we take basic information about it and then send it out to a bunch of dealers and then come back with like actual cash quotes from a bunch of different options. Um, and those can vary quite significantly, um, especially when it comes to like differing types of cars. Like you mentioned, you have a 2004 Camry. If you took that to uh, s- certain local dealers, they might just like send it out to scrap. But there are other dealers in the city who may actually specialize in kind of like early uh, 2000s cars. And then you can ma- maybe get a few thousand bucks. So there's this like, this nicheness of the industry that most people who are into cars wouldn't know about that we can sort of expose and connect you to through our marketplace. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So is it really like just, can you buy cars through it too, or just sell right now? It's just sell. Just sell. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Cause I mean, we're recording this during what may 2022 and inflation's at an all-time high or at least i remember in the 70s when i was a kid and we had like push the cars to go to the gas station and the, the price that inflation was out of control and there was double digit you know loans on your house i mean it's just insane so are you guys seeing that kind of like huge amount of like up like I don't know, increase in used cars. It seems like what used to happen is you bought a car, the second you signed it, signed it, it like went down by 10 grand. <laughs> now it's yep. like it seems like it goes up by 10 grand. What's the what's what's it what's it what's it feeling like out there? Yeah, I I think to be totally honest, I think we're we're nearing the end of that kind of just insanity where people were, like you said literally driving off the lot and then their car being worth $10,000 more. Um, just last month we saw, you know, maybe seven to 
uh, price drops sort of across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they're still high, but they're coming back to normal. I think ultimately there's still 12 to 18 months, maybe even two years of uh, supply chain shortages on the new car market, which is what initially caused uh, a lot of the pricing issues. But as demand for cars kind of dies down, um, there's less of the the rental cars buying cars out of the used market uh, these days as well. So things are just kind of simmering down back to to normal. So I think that that'll go away shortly. Um, so for for your question on, oh, okay, you're looking to buy a car. Yeah, I, I want to know when. I want to know when. Like, when's the right time to pull the trigger? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say give it three months if you can. Okay. Oh um, yeah, no, no. My like I said, I have a. 2004 Toyota Camry, the thing I'll have to like throw it in the bay in order to kill that. I don't know, man. Today, if you if you walk down to the dealer today, you might be able to get 10 grand for that or something. I mean, it's it's actually crazy uh, what people are paying for Camrys. I mean, maybe maybe not for no four, not, but still not not mine. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's I always uh, say I wash my car once a year, whether it needs it or not. So I am <laughs> like like I think I'm I'm not a big fan of driving, and I'm trying to change my attitude about it. Because of course there's, I mean, I, I mean, I, I watch Top Gear and I love watching the cars and everything. And I'm just like, I just could never, like, why would I buy, like, I'm a fan of Porsches too. Like, you know, the whole, um, just the, the elegance of them. And I like the engineering, like, that's my thing. But like, I'm not going to spend, like, to me, it's a tool. And I guess I should be a little more respectful of the tool, but you know, no, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm it's so always- jaded. It's always really interested me how like, because I, I feel like a lot of people are, are either one or the other. Like I've heard that phrase a lot. Like it's just a tool. It gets me a, from A to B and like my my sisters and, you know, a lot of people aren't in cars. They just sort of see it as this object. Whereas like then you've got car people who are just like, it's something totally different and it's an experience and it's art and it's, it's just fun. And so it's kind of interesting that, while I'm in the second group, um, the business that we're building is actually like very focused on the first group, right? Because, you know, enthusiasts tend to have kind of unique, difficult to sell cars, don't necessarily fit into the space that we're actually solving. So most of my day-to-day customers and users are like, Quinn, I don't care about this. I just want to get rid of this car. Like, help me sell this car that I don't care about. Um, and so it's just, it, it's interesting, uh, you know, wor- working so much with so many people who just see it very differently. Um, but also nice to to be able to help them and just sort of solve the, a little bit of the confusion for them on, on that front. Yeah, because it's it's not a fun experience. I mean... Really not. You know, I, when I, my first brand new car I ever bought was a Saturn. Nice. Even, I don't even know if they're still around. Nope. Right? Like, like, right? <laughs> so, and they're one of the reasons I went to go buy it because they're like price is price, right? I don't negotiate. I'm not a negotiator, right? I just I hate that. I think it's a dumb idea. Like this, people love that. You know, I go to a foreign country and everyone's like, don't pay the price, like Asia, like sure. you know, Jane, when we would, you know, my late wife. She's like, oh no, you got to haggle. I'm like, you haggle. I don't haggle. Like my time is worth more than this haggle. Like it's a sport to some people. They like love, oh yeah, I'm going to walk away. I don't care. Like if I'm going to buy it, I'm going to buy it. Like am I going to overpay? Probably. And then eventually I'll just, or I'll find it right, right, right. So buying a car, hate it. Hate the product. I mean, again, you can see I'm generally negative about this. <laughs> They're like, well then why am I talking to you? Well, because 
of people like me, like your first, the first bucket you talked about, right? Anything you can do to make that less painful, like Carvana and all the, I mean, like, I'm going to ask you, like, how do you got, how do you guys compete with like Carvana and stuff? Cause what they've done is made it, it's way easier. Like I have a friend Dalton who used to be a used car salesman, right? And he's just like, he, he has all his new reps come in and he's, he's like, okay, you just accepted the job as at this, this job, you know, and, and everyone hates you, <laughs> but here's your quota. Have at it, you know? And I'm like, how did you survive? He's like, well, that's yeah. his empathetic selling process. But you know what I mean? They don't so, last long. No, no, they don't. So I'm all for making this because it's like you said, second most and probably the second highest purchase you'll ever do past your house or if you, but even still, like it's a tough thing. So what have you guys done to try to make it a little easier? Like what, what's your sort of general like philosophy on that? I, I think ultimately where it's it's really just transparency in the industry. Um, like you brought up Carvana and and they have, uh, although they're going through some struggles financially right now, mm-hmm. um, they they definitely pushed the industry forward. Uh, they sort of started pre-pandemic and then a few other people like Vroom and Schiff sort of hopped on board and and then the pandemic really, uh, just accelerated the whole transition to online buying and selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you used to always be able to sort of research cars online. So that is, has been pretty familiar for, you know, a couple, a decade and a half now, but the actual process of like transacting fully online is very recent. Um, and so like we, we do have those kind of early movers to thank for that. And, and what we're, we're sort of leaning into is that next step of like, okay, this is now like an, an internet based transaction. And so uh, like other internet based transactions in other industries, like flights and hotels, there should be a mechanism with which you can easily go and search, um, all the different options available to you because, you know, you, you mentioned Carvana. Uh, most people might know Vroom at this point, mm-hmm. um, but there's probably 15 others that also exist that you know 99% of the population don't know about, but may get you better offers, may make more sense for you, uh, maybe closer to you. Like, there's a ton of different things to consider, as well as the you know other 90% of the market, which is all the local car dealers that also want to buy your car. Right. Um, and they've been sort of left out of the market, even though, you know, they may be able to beat the offers or give you some sort of other incentives. And so, um, we essentially take seller, we connect sellers with a wide variety of options and then let them make that decision for them on, on the, you know, sort of the other side of that as well. I totally agree. Uh, you know, I think, still, even though it's improved, the experience dealing with dealers is like not overly fun in certain cases. Some are better than others. Um, but we sort of, we allow you to, to disconnect from being, uh, reached out to and called and emailed and whatnot from dealers until you actually decide to sell with a specific one. Uh, and so that way you can do a little bit more of this research on your own before you dive into a commitment of, of, um, you're really a relationship with, with somebody. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Yeah. Anytime (laughs) you get in their list and they're just like, bug, 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 bug. I mean, we had to sell my dad's truck 
and ah, oh, it was horrible experience. I mean, just my mom, like she said some choice words, some, uh, what would I call, uh, and my Irish friends would probably give me a hard time for this. Some Irish emphasis words, <laughs> you know, there's 78 year old woman. You're like, Whoa, mom, chill. Like life's good. You're like, don't, you know, because it was a horrible experience. And, um, I wish we knew again, I wish we knew about your, your service before then. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's like the world is moving more towards this sort of customer experience in doing any kind of transaction. And with the internet, it's pretty easy. I mean, you just see, you know, Amazons and just even the Shopify's and all that sort of stuff of the world. Like it's just easier. This seems to be the last holdout for, you know, not making it easy and making it painful, like painful. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the it, auto industry definitely lags kind of across the board uh, yeah. on technology, maybe, maybe a decade. Um, so yeah, we're, we are seeing a lot of s- similarities between the sort of e-commerce boom for other industries, you know, early 2010s or, or before that. And now we're sort of seeing it in the automotive space. So, uh, hopefully we're moving in the right direction. I think we are, you know, across the board, generally the newer, more successful dealers are more customer centric. Um, so we're getting there. It's just a, a process. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, wonder how the world's going to change. I mean, where do you see it going in like three years? I mean, it seems to me you want to be sort of like the hotels.com or the kayak. I mean, I hate those analogies, but that's, they're helpful though. They're, they're helpful because everyone knows what that is. And I'm just shocked that no one's figured that out for the car industry. And it sounds like, you know, you guys are one of the first to sort of do that. I mean, where do you see it just accelerating more or, yeah, I, I I think we're we're definitely riding the wave. Uh, you know, 2017 sort of before that, uh, we saw about two percent of vehicles transact online. 2021 saw about 30 percent, and you know, we're that's a transition we kind of predict is going to continue to increase. Uh, it's not like uh, the the pandemic like Zoom networking events where like nobody really wanted to do it on Zoom; they just had to like. If you can sell your car online, people will want to do that. Nobody's going to want to go to a dealership. Uh, so I, I think in the industry, the people who go, who transition digital are going to win and dealers will quickly realize that. Uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're, we're facilitating their ability to access people online in this kind of new digital world and, and customer centric uh, instant access world. Uh, we provide dealers the tools and, and ability to do that while also managing uh, a reasonable and um, positive customer experience um, th- that we can facilitate and ensure doesn't get sort of bogged down with with sort of the, the traditional issues of, of car sales. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. What do customers say about it? I mean, any kind of I think feedback? The, so, I, I mean, I... The, the biggest two I get, the first one is like, whoa, that doesn't exist. Um, and, and, and the second is, uh, yeah, that seems really simple. Uh, and then people are always apologizing. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't mean your company's simple. Like, but I'm like, look, it, you know, the simpler, the better, you know, that's, it's, 
if it's easy to explain that, that makes it, um, you know, better to spread. And and I think like the cool thing about those responses is it just shows like an immediate understanding of the value it presents on this, on the seller side. Yeah, no, it's true. All entrepreneurs and all startups need to have that super simple, explain it to your grandmother type of thing. I think that's what people miss when they're in the tech space. Like I hear this, some of this tech stuff and I like read their website or their copy and I'm all, I don't even know what you do. And I could probably build what you do, right? That's bad. Cause I, and it's not that people sometimes think it's dumbing it down, right? Which I don't agree with. I think you have to realize, and I think you sort of nailed it. Like this whole simplicity, you are battling an immense amount of thrash and noise and chaos and if you want to get your stupid idea through to some thick skull, it's got to be so Sesame Street simple that any knucklehead moron could, I mean, I know it's a little disparaging, but it's true. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> it just, it boggles my mind. Well, they'll figure it out. No, 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 but they won't. They will go, you know, the infamous swipe left, swipe right. They'll just keep on. I don't even know which way, which way, if you don't like you swipe left, left, left. Yeah. I, I've never even used one of these apps, right? I, I'm the generation that never had to. And I just got really lucky, <laughs> like just fell into it. So yeah, they're going to swipe you left all the time. If you're not simple, right? Yeah. And that's, uh, it's interesting. Cause I, I think we've done, uh, a, a pretty good job of that on the the front end, uh, sort of the seller side, and and so we are a marketplace, so we connect sellers with dealers, and so that involves a lot of interactions with dealers. Also, there's the whole investor component, and you know, just from a like a founder standpoint, I have actually I've struggled quite a bit with that. Um, you know, trying to condense uh, a two party marketplace, the value proposition, the benefits of both sides into like one cohesive, just snippet for investors uh, has been really difficult. Uh, and I, I've probably flip-flopped a thousand times. I've gone through tons of iterations uh, and, and it'll never be perfect. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely sympathize with with the difficulty of, of trying to simplify things in, into something people can understand. Yeah. It's like that one speech. I think it was on the, it might've been Kennedy or somebody that want to uh, distill it down to a language that everyone will understand or so I paraphrase. It was, uh, it was a living color song, the beginning of a inlet, a living color song, which dates me for sure. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, what, what's the secret sauce then? I mean, what, like, so you've got all these competitors, Carvana, Vroom, et cetera, et cetera, on Infinitum. They seem to be, we buy your car and then sell it, or they're literally handling both sides of the transaction. Seems again, correct me if I'm wrong. You're only are, I mean, would you ever like is I'm assuming Carvana is not on as one of the people you guys talk to? Sounds like you only talk to local dealers. Is that correct? Or is there tell me a little bit more about the mechanics? Yes. So we we actually don't see Carvana and you know Vroom as competitors. Uh we actually we're a step sort of ahead of them in the research process or perhaps like above uh, in the pipeline. Um, So when you put your information into our site, we then can actually pull uh, quotes from those, those car buyers as well. And so you can see them in the list, but then also we populate local dealer offers. Um, They, 
uh, you know, nearby to see what you could get from them as well. So it's it's kind of this like amalgam- amalgamation of offline and online, just due to the nature of the industry. Um, and so that's where we sort of see the power. Long term, I think everything, everybody will be sort of mostly online. So it'll become less of a problem. But that's really why we, we believe like something like this doesn't exist is because it's, it's quite difficult, uh, to mix this kind of offline online, uh, offer generation. Um, and the way that we do that is, is by providing software and valuation tools directly to the dealers and allowing them to plug into our system to quickly and automatically uh, generate offers for for your vehicles based on the condition of your vehicle. Hmm. So this is really meant for the dealers. Like, I mean, from a from a like, well, it's meant for the people that are selling cars, <laughs> clearly. But really, your main kind of target on the back end is dealers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so our our paying customer is are the dealers. Okay. Um, the, the experience is built for sellers Hmm, and that's, it's a, uh, you know, a a fine line distinction, but I think an important one, um, because where other spaces you sort of, you toad on this, like, I, I think other people in the space ultimately see the money in just buying and selling the cars. And so even if they start out as kind of a marketplace option, they get sucked into just becoming ultimately another online dealer uh, to buy as many cars as quickly as as they can at as low of cost they can. Uh, and then you're ultimately competing with Carvana and CarMax, which are billion dollar companies. And right. you know that's uh, you know, we'll leave that space to them. Um, but from a seller's perspective, that's not great. Like right, like going back to the, you know providing transparency into the industry, uh, it's really difficult to get today. Um, and I think that if, if we can withstand the, the driving pressure to just start buying cars individually, um, we can build out this, this sort of vibrant marketplace that they can connect, you know, different types of cars and trucks and, and, um, you know, sellers with all, all the available options in their markets. And it's, you know, beneficial to dealers um, because, hmm. you know, they need cars, right? Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. their, no. their bread and butter. Right, right, right. And are we talking both new car dealers and used car? I I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's the classical like used car salesman, you know, trope, right? <laughs> sure. Um, and then there's, the, of course, the used car lots and there's the dealer lots that sell new and used. And I, it's a mess, I think, but and and then of course there's always the people that sell like just private sell. Uh, did you know the breakdown of in the in the entire car market how many like do private sell through a dealer because it seems seems to me you get you would get more money if you did it privately but then of course you have the overhead of trying to find that. I mean what yeah, are the pri- economics? Private private sales pretty small. Uh I I think last I saw somewhere like less than 5% of the overall market probably. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that's still, oh man, do some quick math, a couple million cars a, a year, uh, yeah. just because the U.S. car market is so massive. You know, right. we, we sell retail, you know, 40 million used vehicles each year. Wow. Um, but uh, w- in, in terms of who we target, like we can't, we don't do any new cars, uh, yeah. not just because we don't 
actually do any buying of cars, but uh, also because there's the franchise system and the lobby and all that nonsense. Um, <laughs> nonsense is a good way to put it. Like, we we could talk, uh, you know, for, for a long about time that. about that stuff. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. But but beyond that, yeah, we we actually we've seen pretty good success partnering with the franchise dealers who have used car divisions, which is every franchise dealer has a used car division. Um, but they're just sort of bigger, more well represented it in in the sort of geography, and they um, sort of have better workflows that we can then pass on to to the sellers. Mm. So it seems like you know from an entrepreneurial kind of journey or opportunity or you know solve a pain or solve a problem, right? I'm always like always fascinated with: Are you in love with the problem? Or are you in love with the your solution, right? Because sometimes you got to zig and zag. I mean, did you start out this way? Was this how the idea baked in the beginning or what was the evolution of it? Because on the surface, like before talking to you, I'm just like, oh, this is kind of like Carvana, I guess. I don't know. Sure. You know, and I'm sorry that it was that, but I mean, I'm going to be talking with you for what, 40, 45 minutes so I can dig in, but other folks can't. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I, I think we we definitely get that uh, you know so, somewhat regularly, mm-hmm. um, and I think over time that that will go away um, in the same way that like if I asked you like how going back to this analogy like how kayak is different than Hilton, um, you right. could probably explain that difference, and yes. and we are you know that that metaphor is, is pretty apt there, so. Um, but but yeah, in terms of where where this came out came from, uh, I actually started trying to do sort of a high end peer to peer marketplace, um, which is what you were talking about. That like five percent of of private market sales is really difficult to do. Still, uh, you're transacting like large sums of money, and you kind of have to like meet at a bank, and it's this really weird process off of Craigslist. And so I thought there would be a way to. Um, you know, kind of normalize that and make it a little bit more secure. Uh, ultimately, we ran into, well, several problems, but the biggest one is just the cold start problem or the network problem. Uh, yeah. You know, it, chicken and the egg is just so large because you have to have a group of sellers with car, like enough cars to be interesting and then a, enough buyers to want to buy those exact cars, which means you need like millions or, or hundreds of thousands of people on both sides, like at the beginning. And that's just really difficult to do. Um, but in that, like I was kind of burning the midnight oil, getting some, some early users. And, uh, for the people who were trying to sell, the first thing I would do is go try to get offers from all the local dealers I could find. Cause I didn't want to waste their time. If like there was a pretty good local offer, like just take it in in run. Right, right, right. And uh, after I had done that a few times, I basically put together these lists of like, okay, this dealer, this, this dealer, this. I'm like, okay, this this is kind of a pain. This could be automatic. Why doesn't this exist? Um, and, and ultimately, that was it, it. Kind of came out of that, and I started talking to people. Who said, you know, would this make sense for you? And um, the feedback was exceedingly more positive than my initial idea, which, <laughs> uh, which so is I a good sign. <laughs> You're like, no, but I like this one. You're like, no, no, bro. No, no, no. Let me, son, come over here. Let me, no, no. That's not where the money is, son. That's not where the money is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely interesting, just especially growing up. Like I've, uh, you know, avid reader of, of startup folklore yeah. and, and whatnot. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, you know, you always read about the pivots and all this, yeah. like 
what how it comes in in it's always the you know history is is written by the victors and stuff 100%, so ki- kind 100%. of uh, you know go made it look nicer uh so it was interesting going through that and having yeah. to explain it to the people who I had just told oh this is this is the future this is what I'm going to do yeah. and then I'm like no this is yeah. actually what I'm going to do yeah 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 it's called survivor bias <laughs> yeah it's just it's crazy cuz I love it when they when they talk about I mean one of the reasons I do the show is to like dig in a little bit more on like the journey is a lot more complicated than the four paragraphs in a book. They said, "Yeah, we came up with the idea for Google and blah 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 billion dollar company." You're like, "No, no, that's just, that like they almost they ran out of I mean, no one ever tells you maybe it's just because they love the romance of it, kind of like, you know, being a cowboy or whatever like, "Yeah, I took it on and I'm, you know, I'm a genius, right? Well, if you talk to most entrepreneurs, like you kind of corner them and no microphones are on or they're having a cocktail and they'll be like, yeah, I got so lucky. <laughs> I just got lucky. <laughs> like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing to a first order. I mean, if sure. they really feel deep down, it's like a lot of luck, but then a lot, obviously a lot of skill applied to the luck and they see, oh, this isn't working. I got to do something else. That's why it's great to be in love with the problem and not the solution. Like uh, to you, to your point, I, wow, I was doing all this. I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. This is crazy. Like, oh, I should fix it. I should build it. So how many, how many dealers do you deal with then? I mean, what's the kind of the, what's the scale of this market? Um, so not, not as many as we would like right now. Um, we, we are, we are plugged into four automatically. So pretty much anywhere in the country, you can get at least four quotes. And then in other oh, wow. parts, um, specifically in Houston right now, you can get more um, from local dealers. But uh, you, you know, the, they're across the country in the, the franchise dealership space, there's about 16,000, 17,000 um, yeah. that we could, we could potentially partner with. Uh, and that, you know, boiling down to individual cities, like you probably have within easy driving distance, five to seven dealers who would potentially want your car. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, resell your car as well. And that's something that we're, is less interesting to the, to the average person. Um, but, but very interesting to me, like inside the in the industry, because there's this massive mismatch of, of supply chain, mm-hmm. uh, where mm-hmm. essentially people give their cars to a dealer who doesn't really want it and then sells it on the wholesale market. And it then goes to a different dealer. Right. Um, and Why so just cut through it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Essentially like, you know, through all the value props that we talked about, but like what we're actually doing, you know, on the back end is we're optimizing the supply chain of vehicles. And, and that's where like, because we're making that cheaper, that's, that's how we're able to ultimately make money in the pipeline. Right. Because your business model is the dealer has a subscription to your service. So they get, they can look at the inventory. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting way to go about it. I can but see it, why this could be super beneficial to them too, because if they want an online presence, I don't know. I'm like, just, I, well, it's funny because I have to go take my car in, right? Cause it needs a small check and it needs to be maintained. And I go to the website and it's Toyota of San Francisco. I'm like this website's horrible. <laughs> I don't even know how to use it. And I'm like, if I was to, like, 
yeah, you're not spending the time and effort to build the tech to make this a little easier. I, I literally ended up just calling them on the telephone, right? Yeah. So like anything, I mean, you've got scale and if, you know, it's, it's so interesting because there's a lot of these two-sided marketplaces that are like this. Traditional business, like I just interviewed a guy uh, from Diesel Laptops, right? And his job, his company makes diagnostic tools for diesel engine mechanics. <laughs> you know, great guy, right? And you're like, how in that, huh? What? And you're like, is this really a thing? And he's like, oh yeah. You know, there's a, you know, he was talking about cars, like there's, you know, 250,000 diesel cars or some big trucks, right? Sold sure. a year and people got to maintain them, the whole thing, right? Interesting. Same problem. He had the same problem. He, he was talking about maintenance and parts. And he's like, do you know how much of a pain in the ass it is to get maintenance and parts and all this sort of thing on your truck? And you're like, your truck stops running? That's a thousand bucks a day, bro. Like you need that to make money. Uh-huh. And he's like, it's a disaster. He's like, just a disaster. Like, right. And so, but he had the same thing. He like pivoted a bunch, but he, then he realized, oh, if I can put these sensors and this technology in these trucks, I can preempt maintenance, like this whole thing. But it was a disconnect between dealers and customers because sure. the dealers weren't doing that. Like, in fact, he even got, they even told him he was doing this as a side hustle on one of his gigs. And they're like, we're going to give you a raise, but uh, uh, you need to quit your side hustle. And he's like, what are you, huh? <laughs> this is the... And to his credit, actually to his wife's credit, which I always say, like, listen to your partner or your wife, right? Or whatever. She's Smart. like, don't do it, do it, just do it. And now he's creates this great company, but same Good thing. Yeah. But, but it's the same, like this, like what you're doing, which I find really fascinating. You found the place that the dealers don't do well. These other people are just trying to be their own thing, the billion dollar, $2 billion Carvana. And you've like created something that's going to help people plug into this rat's nest of like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Make, make people a little bit more confident, feel more empowered, kind of navigate the industry a little bit better. Um, you know, that's, I've, the, the phrase I've, I've been, uh, been telling people is like when, when my mom can successfully and like confidently sell her car, uh, without calling me through top mark, like that's how I know I've solved the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Super, super cool. Well, Quinn, just been great talking to you, man. Good luck with, I just, so I love these non-obvious quote unquote, boring industry things, right? Yeah. Cause there's a lot of money. I mean, you said what 40 million used cars is some crazy number. I mean, that's yeah. gotta be how many billion dollars a year. It's insane. Yeah. It's uh 800 billion on the used cars. And then once you mix in new cars, it's uh, well over a trillion. So it's, it's top four biggest industries in the country for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, kind of silly, right? You're like, well, I'll just do this. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, appreciate your time. Stay safe. And uh, yeah, just keep, keep, keep it up, man. How cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks Quinn for uh, being on the show and all the awesome insights. Super interesting about the used car market. Never would have thought <laughs> there's all these uh, different ways to approach it. So as promised, 
Here are the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Quinn. Look for gaps in existing industries you know something about. While some areas of car sales have gone online, there are still a lot of opportunity to enter the space and provide tools and services that don't exist online. And, you know, that's what Quinn did, right? Started out in the most obvious one, private buyer, private seller, and then realized, oh, well, these like car dealerships, they need inventory of cars as well. And to be honest, there's lots and lots of car dealers, and we talked about it, don't have a lot of technology uh, support. So it's only a natural thing to do to like, hey, let's see if we can get these uh, car dealers some cars too. So ask yourself questions like, is there something that I'm missing in the market I'm after? Is there a gap that I can fill? Uh, maybe look at it a different way, you know, instead of just going the traditional route, maybe do it in an adjacent route like what he did. So super interesting way to go. Be ready and willing to pivot. Quinn had to change his original idea when, in the course of working on his original business idea, he found a need. When he approached potential clients about this, he found them much more receptive to his new ideas. So yeah, sometimes you start working on something and, hey, this is a great idea, you know, clearly a need for it, but there may be more competition or they're just, you know, may be saturated at that point. And being able to pivot, being able to understand the deeper market need is what Quinn did. So ask yourself questions like, again, am I missing something in a transaction? Like maybe map out the entire transaction history like what he did. Hey, you know what, these used car dealers or these dealers, they need cars too, and it's hard for them to get them. Like, how can I make it easier for them? And instead of relying on selling cars, right, it's a subscription for them. So that's actually even a better idea, right? Simple sells. The more simple and easy you make it, you can then, it's more likely that you'll gain and keep customers. So if you go after one problem, one solution, and again, that may seem like, hey, anyone can copy it. And in some cases they can, but depending on how you go about it, you then use that to build up your kind of beachhead. So uh, just think about simple. Uh, uh, people like things that are easy to use. Doesn't mean that behind it is simple. It could be very complicated. And I'm sure his algorithms and how he does it is very complicated. But really understand the user experience. Ask yourself questions like, where are the friction points? Can I reduce this friction? Sometimes you need to add friction. I know that sounds silly, but in, sometimes in the process, it may make sense to, can I add friction here to make it less friction down the line? Um, as an example, um, one of the things about adding less friction is making people sign up like, oh, it's easy to sign up, but then to do a transaction, which is a lot more, has a lot more, you know, risk to it. Maybe you make it a little harder. You got to do some things that are a little bit more, you know, show me your ID or whatever. So you got to think about ways to make it not only easy, but in the criticality of the process, hey, maybe we need to add a little more friction too, but uh, still make it simple. So there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Quinn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. 
You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.